Father God, we praise you this morning. We glorify you. Father, we thank you. We're highly blessed, highly loved, highly favored today. Father, we thank you. We're blessed with the blessing of Abraham that we would receive the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. Father, that we can approach you this morning in full confidence, full assurance that we are in right standing with Almighty God. Our sins are forgiven. Our sins are washed. Our diseases are healed. Hallelujah. We have the peace of Almighty God. And Father, we praise you. Let's just go ahead and lift our hands and our voices and give Him praise here today. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we magnify you. Father, we're blessed. We're the redeemed of the Lord, and we say so. And Father, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Father, we thank you for a time of heaven on earth. And Father, we thank you and we praise you. And Father, we're just going to receive all that you have for us today. Father, we'll just do and say everything that needs to be done today. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise. Father, we say that this is a nation under God. Father, we pray for our nation. Father, we pray for our national governments, our state and local governments. Father God, all this corruption that's going on all over the place, Father, we say as the body of Christ, we shall not permit it. Father, we will not permit lawlessness in our government. We will not permit lawlessness in this land. Father God, we just take our place as the body of Christ and we say no. And Father God, we praise you and we glorify you. Father, we say that this is a nation under God. Father, we thank you that you're raising up godly men and women to serve in our government. Father, we say that our White House will be established in righteousness. Father, we say that our Congress will be established in righteousness. Our Senate will be established in righteousness. Our Supreme Court will be established in righteousness. And Father, we declare over Chautauqua County that all Chautauqua County shall be saved. Father, we thank you for a great and mighty harvest out of this land. Father, we thank you that all of Jamestown will be flooded with the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For those who sat in darkness shall see great light. Those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has sprung upon them. Father, we declare light to this city, light to this county, light to New York State, light to our nation. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Come on, folks, this is praise him and worship him. We glorify you, Father. And Lord, we say that we'll never be the same again after this morning. And we'll give you all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people shouted, Amen. Hey, before you're seated, go ahead and get out of your seats and greet one another in the name of the Lord.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to see you this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be where the victorious are, the redeemed are, the rich are. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. It's so good to see you here this morning. Did you bring your supply with you? Amen. Did you come hungry? Did you bring your faith here today? Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I just wanted to share a couple verses with you. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, starting with the first couple verses, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run the, with patience the race that is set before us. Now, it, you have a difference between weights and sins, amen? Weights are just as bad as sins. It's things that will distract. For the next verse says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. It says, looking unto Jesus. The Amplified says, from all that will distract. Looking from all that will distract unto Jesus. Amen. How many know that we have to lay down or look beyond the things that will distract unto Jesus, or you could say unto the Word? So how many know that there's distractions that we have to look through to see the Word? Amen. It's important that we show up and that we set those distractions aside, that we can focus on the true help, which is Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. In other words, the beginning and the end. He started it and he will complete it, but you have to focus your gaze and set your gaze on him. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I just invite you, whatever may try to distract you, press in. Press into the things of God. Press past those distractions. Press through those obstacles and get the word because he's the author and the finisher of what you're going through. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. It's so good to see you. Good morning, everyone. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for the word. Not having a, a Wednesday, I'll tell you, I'm all the more hungry today. Amen. Glory to God. It's so good to see you. I'd just like to take a moment off the top of our service. I did have an opportunity to meet and greet with some first-time guests. On behalf of our senior pastors, Pastor Tim and Pastor Kate Stallman, we'd just like to welcome you here today. We're so honored to have you here today. We know by the word of God that he's got a blessed plan for your life. We know that because the Word of God tells us that. We always quote Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They're not plans to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you hope in a future. Amen. Your plans, your purposes, your will be done. Amen. He's got a blessed plan for our lives. It's right here in the Word of God. Everything that we do is right here. This is that blessed plan, amen? And we just purpose here to bring you into a knowledge of that plan, amen? So I just, I just encourage you, you're in the right place here today, amen? It's not by coincidence or chance, but you're here on divine appointment. Praise the Lord, amen. I just invite you, if you wouldn't mind uh, grabbing one of these blue cards out of the seat back in front of you, if you could take a moment and fill that out, that'd be a blessing to us. Uh, for our first-time guests, we'll have you know that we don't give this information to anyone that they would solicit you or anything like that. We just keep these right here with pastor and staff, amen. As well as all of us, go ahead, take a moment. If you have any prayer needs or requests, there's a space available on the back for that. Go ahead, jot those things down. 
I like to know that the body's connecting with me in faith, amen? How many, how many know that your supply is important? Amen. God places the members in the body as it pleases him. Amen. So we, we need to, to hook up and we need to create that movement within the body. And, and if you're going through something, we want to release our faith with yours because you matter to us. Amen. So there's a space provided on the back for that. Go ahead and jot that down. We'll get that information. Just drop it in the offering bucket as it goes by. Amen. Church, now you tell me, and I know you do this and, and praise God for it, but you tell me whose job it is to make sure that our visiting guests feel warm and welcome. That's our job. Let's go ahead. Let's do that here this morning. Amen. We love family here. We love family here. Amen. We just want to see God's highest and best in your life. We so much appreciate you being here with us today. Amen. Are you ready for some announcements? Yes. Big Faith in Healing School will continue this week. Amen. Like I was mentioning before, I'll tell you, not having Wednesday. Uh, you, you know, you just that's the highlight of the week. Anytime you can gather around the word, amen, you want to be there. 6.30 Wednesday, praise the Lord. And next Wednesday, we have a special treat. Uh, Dr. Marilyn Neubauer will be visiting with us, sharing the word, amen. And we want to be a beneficiary of everything and every voice that God has placed in the body, amen. So just uh, make note of that, amen. You want to prepare and release your faith for that because we want to receive everything that the Lord Lord has for us. Glory to God. Amen. Also, the baptism. Today is baptism day. Amen. Immediately after service, we're going to go ahead for those that signed up or if you want to be baptized. Amen. It's, you know, sign up or not. It's open invitation. But immediately after service, we're going to be going up to the youth center. Amen. There's uh, bathrooms up there for changing and different things like that. We're just going to go ahead and get in and get baptized. Glory to God. It's exciting. Praise the Lord for you that, that are being baptized. It's a tremendous declaration of your faith. So we don't take that lightly, amen. It's a big deal, and we appreciate that, amen. Glory to God. Also, uh, Pillars of Faith will be Saturday, this coming Saturday, July 14th at 10 a.m., uh, Presque Isle trip. They're going to be providing hot dogs. If you want to come and be a part of that, come on. Amen. We're going to get in the Word at 10 o'clock, and then we're all going to go up to Presque Isle. We're believing God for good weather. It's, uh, we've had some, some blessed weather so far. Amen. Could almost use a little rain. I don't know. I, just, I, I enjoy the sun, sunshine. It's been good. Also, um, the Little Adventures and Kingdom Adventures leaders uh, will be having a meeting Monday, July 9th at 630. So make sure you mark your calendar for that. Also, there's an ice cream social uh, hosted by Family Church Fredonia, amen, at Pastor Michael's house. Uh, there will be a sign-up sheet for that. We've been invited to come and be a part of that. Uh, there's a, a, a sign-up sheet in the back if you plan on attending that, amen. How, behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. They're family. They're our family up, up in the North County. Uh, and there's, it's going to be bring your own favorite topping. So it'll be a good event. We encourage you to go ahead, sign up, and be a part of that. Amen. That's it by what I have for announcements at this time, Pastor Tim. Lord, good morning, everybody. You glad to be in the house of the Lord here today? Amen. I tell you what, just go ahead and get your expectation high, right? How many of you know uh, it's been warm lately, and, and sometimes warm weather has a way of wanting to slow us down, but how many of you know it's never slow on the inside of church? Amen. Praise God. So we just welcome you today. You ready for a time of heaven on earth? 
Well, it's just so good to see everybody here today. Uh, again, our first-time guests, we just welcome you. If you're here for the first time, uh, my name is Pastor Tim Stallman. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here. Pastor Brad Hofer is our associate pastor. We know you're not here by coincidence. You're not here because uh, a family member dragged you here. You're here today with a divine appointment with God. And I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, you're just going to uh, uh, hear a, a message of encouragement today, uh, a challenging message, amen. We're just going to have our lives change from the inside out. So we welcome you if you're visiting uh, uh, with us for the first time. We hope you find Family Church uh, a warm and welcoming place. If you are in need of a, a home church, we'd love to be your home church. Uh, we're, we're not uh, just looking to fill the seats. It's not about just having uh, faces in the crowd. We want to get to know you. We know that you're, you have a divine destiny with, with God. God's got a great plan for your life. We want to help you get into that plan because in that plan, it's already blessed. It's already figured out. It's already settled. So we just want to teach you uh, how to walk out the plan that God has for your life. And we want to help you do that. It's so good to, to see everybody here today. One uh, real quick announcement uh, I have. I just wanted to give a little update to the church. Maybe you're, you're, you're here and you heard some updates about the, the coming parking lot. And you look out there and you've seen equipment come and go. And yet there's still gravel out there. Well, folks, what happened was we had, uh, we had the... The, the, the parking lot scheduled to be paved, and then there was a delay uh, with the company, and then uh, what happened is we had two weeks of, of revival meetings here with Dr. Dufresne and Pastor Nancy Dufresne, and uh, they showed up again. We said, no, we can't be tearing up the parking lot in the middle of those meetings, and then while we were in those meetings, the Lord spoke very clearly to me uh, towards the end of the meetings. He said, just hold off on that parking lot and pay off a little more debt and then pave that parking lot uh, come spring. So what we're going to do, we're just going to, we're going to obey God, right? We can't have a, a leading of God like that and then go ahead anyway, you know? We're just going to, we're just going to follow God. We're going to pay down a, a, a few more debts here and then we're going to pave that. So ladies with the high heels, bear with us for one more summer, right? Amen. You know, it's July. Well, it could be snowing by next month, so. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh my goodness, boy, did you, see the, did you see the looks on people's faces? It will not snow until December, saith the... <laughs> Praise the Lord, but we'll just, we'll just uh, put that off. And what we'll do, folks, we have been really, really making awesome progress uh, on the debt that we still are, owe our contractors. How many of you remember uh, the special offering that we took up uh, back in February when we owed uh, our contractor about $300,000? We are now down to around $180,000. Praise the Lord. So in just a few short months, we're, we're, ticking, we're ticking that down. Uh, the building is, is about 48% paid off. We've only been in it for two years. We're almost halfway there. Amen. So we're just going to knock out this other half. How many of you know the things that we'll be able to do when we're a debt-free church? Praise God. We're getting close, folks. We're getting close. Amen. Amen. So we just keep plugging, keep chugging. God is so good. God is so faithful. Amen. Who's ready for tithes and offerings here this morning? Real quickly, I'm going to go in my Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. It says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. How many of you know that 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is set in context to giving? He's talking about an offering. And he says, but this I say, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. 
How many of you know that God will never be accused? We'll never be able to stand before God and say, God, you didn't provide for me. He'll say, no, you didn't sow bountifully. Because the harvest is not up to God, it's up to you. Amen. Hallelujah. If you don't put seed in the ground, don't blame God why there isn't harvest coming up. Amen. You will always reap in the measure in which you have sown. Your life right now is a product of what you have sown. Amen. Nothing more, nothing less. And then look at verse 7 here. It says, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Can we bring up verse 7 in the Amplified, please? The Amplified Bible says this. It says, Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Amen. Hallelujah. So many times we need to remember that if, you're, if your fields are going to produce a harvest, so to speak, they must be watered with joy. Yeah, good word. You're going to have to bring joy. Amen. You bring your tithes, you bring your offerings, but did you bring your joy today? Did you bring your prompt and ready-to-do-it attitude? Praise God. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, so many times, if there is a failed harvest, it failed at the point when joy was supposed to be added. If, 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 our harvest, if we sow seed, and if that seed doesn't produce, it's because we didn't mix joy with it. We have to mix joy with our giving. We can't sit there wishing we could hold on to it for ourselves. We can't sit there and, 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 and grudge what the minister says about giving. Amen. Hallelujah. Got to mix your joy. You ready to mix your joy with it this morning? Let's go ahead. Let's stand to our feet. Let's mix some joy into our giving. Praise the Lord. Got our tithes and our offerings here. Let's just lift our hands and raise our voices and thank God. Father, we praise you today. We glorify you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to bring our tithe and to give an offering. Father, we just right now, we decide to be joyous. Father God, we add our joy. We love to give. We're cheerful givers. And Father, you'll never abandon us. You'll never abandon us. You'll never do without us, Father God. We praise you and thank you. Lord God, you've provided all the jobs that we have. You've provided all the homes we live in. You provide, Lord God. You have provided every bit of food and every bit of clothing. Father, we've never provided for ourselves. So, Lord, we thank you today. Come on, folks, you're quiet. You're quiet. You're too quiet. This is why your giving ain't working, because you're quiet. Father, we praise you today. We magnify you, Lord. And we all say together, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers, you may serve the people. Let's, let's continue worshiping together.
your voice and sing
Come on, folks, let's praise Him and worship Him. Father, we bless You. Come on, let's lift up our voices and give Him praise. Tell Him how much He means to you. Tell Him you love Him. Father, we praise You today. We glorify You. Lord, there's no greater name than Your name. Your name is far above every name. All principality of power and might in this world and that which is to come. Father, we thank You in the name of Jesus Christ we're saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're redeemed. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're rich. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're blessed. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're filled with joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're filled with peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're filled with strength. Father, we praise you today. We glorify you. Come on, folks. There is a lack of participation in the congregation. There is a lack of participation. Go ahead, lift up your hands and praise Him today. Lord, we magnify You. We bless You. We give You praise. And we give You honor. Father God, we come to Your Word and we thank You for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Father, we will receive this Word immediately with joy. Father, we'll praise You. We'll glorify You. Father, we'll thank you for the truth. We thank you that we'll never be the same again after this morning. Father, we thank you that we'll walk in the faith of God. Father, we thank you this word is life to them that find it, health to our flesh. So Lord God, we receive life today. We receive health in our bodies. We receive strength. Father, we receive nourishment in our spirit. Father, renewing in our mind. We're just going to be changed here today forevermore. And Father, we thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We thank you this message is preached with boldness. We say this message has free course in our midst. The Word of God is glorified here at Family Church with signs and wonders following the Word. And Father, we thank you we are delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. And Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. At this time, since we forgot to earlier, let's go ahead and dismiss our, our children's ministries. Let's encourage these young ones as they come. God here today. <laughs> that was my fault, not their fault. Amen. You ready for the Word of God here today? Amen. We know that the Word is going to change our lives. Amen. We may be encouraged today. We may be corrected. We might, at times, it might just seem like a rebuke in our heart, but how many of you know that God's never wanting to, to pound you down? He's always wanting to lift you up. How many of you know you got to love correction if you're going to walk with God? You're going to have some ouch hallelujah moments in there. Maybe today, maybe today will just be encouragement. Maybe this will be a first time you've heard a message like this and we'll be planting seed. Maybe you've already heard a message like this and we'll be watering the seed, right? Amen. But anyway, we're going to be changed. Praise the Lord. But how many of you know you got to participate? You know? 
And I can, just, I can just sense a little bit in the beginning of this service that there's a hair of a lack of participation on the part of our congregation. And it's time to, 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 to break off those cobwebs. Right. You know, I don't know if you're tired from, from working out in the yard yesterday and sweating under the 90 degree heat or whatever. But I tell you what, it's nice and cool in here. It's time to just, you know, throw off those barriers, throw off those inhibitions. Amen. Amen. We don't permit a church to come on in here and have a down service. Uh-uh-uh. And I'll tell you what, as a preacher, I'm not going to go through that. If you've ever preached in the pulpit to a group of uninterested people, I'll tell you what, it's like just getting beat up. And I'm not going to do that today. Amen. I just believe I'm preaching to folks that are interested, folks that are on fire, folks that want to hear the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. If you have your Bibles here today, if you want to join me over in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, over the last several weeks, I've been preaching a series of messages on faith and what the God kind of faith looks like. Today, I'm not going to go through a whole bunch of review because I've noticed that in, uh, uh, many of my messages, like the first 10 minutes is usually review. Well, how many of you know we just need to be here? <laughs> Amen. Now, if you're visiting today, obviously, if you want to uh, uh, look at some previous messages, we do have the archives on our our, our website there, go ahead and check that out. But we've just been talking about the faith of God. Today we're going to call this message, Faith Without Peace is Dead. And we've heard the term faith without works is dead, right? Faith without corresponding action. How many of you know you will do what you believe? If you want to find out what you believe, don't, don't go and consult your mind over what you believe. Just look at your actions, look at what you do in life, that's what you believe. Amen. If you don't have good regular church attendance, it's because you don't believe that church is important. Because your actions prove that, amen. If you don't tithe, it proves that you don't believe that there's any power in the tithe. Or you've been, fear is stolen from you, what, uh, the obedience of God, right? Whatever you do is what you believe. People say, oh, no, 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 I believe, but you know, even though I do this and do that, I believe something else. No, 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 no. Your belief isn't separate from your actions. Your belief is your actions. Amen. If you're a person that you won't praise and worship and sing to God, because you don't believe yet the power that's involved with it. You know, amen. And of course, we need to be taught those things, and we need the Word to be instructed to us before we do. But it's one thing to be ignorant and be sincere, but it's another thing to know and choose not to do. I'll tell you what, we don't want to know and then choose not to do. People all the time, they say, well, I believe this, I believe that, but yet they, they don't show it in their actions. No, you don't believe it. God does not believe what you think. God does not believe what you say. God believes only what you do. Faith is only and ever a matter of actions first, right? Hallelujah. Of course, your words get involved, in, uh, but your words and your actions have to be in place. Amen. Well, I don't know why I'm off on this, but this is the flow of the Spirit right now. Amen. Praise the Lord that we, we need to understand that uh, uh, we can't just say, well, I have a belief system somewhere in my mind. It was put in me as I, uh, as I grew up and I was raised this way, so I really believe this. However, I do this. No, 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 no. Listen, I did that as a young man. I did that. I was raised in a Christian family. I'd gone to Sunday school, all this. I had my belief system. I had my church life over here. And then I had my other life over here. And they looked nothing the same. No, no, no. If, you're, if you have a different church life than you do your home life, then you have a lack of integrity. 
because integrity is the same privately as it is publicly. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, glory to God. <laughs> I told you there might be some ouch hallelujah moments in the, in the, in the service here today. Praise the Lord. But we need to make sure. Because I did that. I lived that life. And guess what? I was miserable. I'll tell you what. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you have a different standard in church than you do at home, you're double-minded. If you act one way at work or one way with your friends differently than you act at home with your wife and your kids, I'll tell you what, you're a double-minded man. You have a different set of standards at different places. Oh, yeah. There's guys that they'll, 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 they'll be all sweet to their wives, and then they go out to, for bowling night, and they, they talk about their wife as being the ball and chain, the old lady. No, 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 no. He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I tell you what, man, you need to understand that the object of God's favor in your life is your wife. Yes, come on. Oh, yeah. Man, I mean, I don't mean to sound sacrilegious. Don't misunderstand me when I say this, but God is a ladies' man. That's right. Meaning he loves, he loves to see uh, 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 the woman taken care for. Why? Because you can just look at all false religions and what do they do? They, 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 they diminish the importance of, of, of women. Look at Islam. You know the devil's running that religion. You know the devil's running. Oh my goodness, did he say that in church? Yes, I did. And I'll say it louder because it's just simply the truth. You, you will always know where the devil is running the show by how he treats women. Islam, Hinduism, any of those, any of those cultures. The only culture that ever puts women on the same level of man is Christianity. Why? Because in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian, male nor female. Amen. God doesn't favor one gender over the other. He has set different roles and purposes for one gender to a next. But that doesn't mean that they're not equally important. Well, amen. And those men that they go and they talk one way about their wife to their face and then talk another way, they're what James 1.8 says, they are double-minded. They have one set of standards here and one set of standards there. They will be unstable in all their ways. They will be burnt out, unhappy. Yeah, 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 yeah. They will wear themselves out trying to run two different sets of standards. Come on now. Amen. Praise the Lord. I believe that I'm going to be the same exact way in my home, with my wife, with my children, as when I show up here. Amen. You're going to see the same person in the pulpit. As you would, as if you came over to my home, yes. hallelujah, and you saw how I treat my, my wife and my kids and my family. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Some of you, you got, you got your church life, your work life. You have too many lives. There's only one life. Amen. Glory to God. Well, let's see if the Holy Ghost will let us get back to the regularly scheduled programming. Amen. But we've been talking about faith, and all these things pertain to faith, right? Because these are the kind of things that destroy people's peace. Many trials are born from a lack of peace. We need to get a hold of that. We need to understand that. So many times, you know, there's people in the world right now that they're sick and they think that they're in need of healing when actually they're really in need of peace. Because the lack of peace is enforcing that sickness. And there's people out there and they're wondering why medical science is not doing anything for their body and their body is not responding to treatment and medications and things like that. It's because the body is first 
been designed by God to respond to peace on the inside. I tell you what, medical treatment, if it's a spiritual issue or a spiritual lack of peace, medical science will, will do you no good. You might be able to mask some symptoms for a while, but uh, true healing comes from inside, from peace that God puts on the inside of your heart. Your body will always respond first to peace. There's people out there that, that are poor and they lack money and they think that they need money to get out of poverty. No, no, no. They need peace first. Money does not bring peace. Money comes to those who already are walking in peace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's people out there that they think that they're depressed because of a chemical imbalance. Well, that chemical imbalance might be what medical science sees it as, but a chemical imbalance came from somewhere. And a chemical imbalance in the brain that produces depression, it came from an underexposure to peace. There is no such thing as a child who has been raised in a home there is no such thing as a child that has been raised in a home where both mom and dad love Jesus, serve each other with the love of God, where the peace of God rules and dominates that home. There's no such thing as a child who's raised in that environment that has a chemical imbalance. Come on, come on, come on. It does not exist. You can't develop a chemical imbalance in the brain and, and have it cause depression. When you are perfectly submerged in the love and the peace of God. Amen. And I'm not saying to boast on myself. I say it to boast upon the Lord. My children have never heard my wife and I have a fight. Never in nine plus years of marriage and four plus years of us having children, we have never had a screaming, yelling fight. Never once. My children, they're not scared of the dark. Why? Because they've never heard mom and dad fight. Their confidence has never been broken. See, we need to understand why these things... Where do children learn to be scared of everything? They learn to be scared from other things because they have no confidence because mom and dad aren't in agreement. And mom and dad are fighting and mom and dad are screaming and mom and dad are yelling and there's a lack of peace in the home and the lack of peace opened the door for that child to start fearing certain things. Are you getting a hold of this? I don't know. I'm just going to preach by the Holy Ghost here today. Because I'm sitting here, I have some notes, I know where I was going, and all of a sudden it's just not working. But those things don't, those things don't happen. A, a, a child doesn't just decide one day to uh, 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 just, I, I think I'm going to decide to be scared of the boogeyman. My kids... I mean, I have a four-year-old at home not scared of any boogeyman or anything. Not scared of the dark. Not scared of bugs. Sometimes I have to, hey, hey, no, no, that one you need to lay off. Because he is going to bite you, and it is going to hurt if you pick him up. Just, you, you just see that. Kids, they, 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 they can be raised in an environment where the peace of God rules and dominates. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and if those things developed... If those insecurities develop, somewhere mom and dad shut out the peace of God in their life. There was a fight somewhere. There was screaming and yelling somewhere. People were, uh, 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 husbands and wives, they used the divorce word. I'll tell you what, if you want to sink your child into a childhood of fear, start throwing that word around callously in your home. Oh my goodness. 
People use that word as if they, they use it to tongue lash their spouse. Well, maybe we should get a divorce. Maybe we should get a divorce. And they throw those words around. I'll tell you what, you better never let your children hear that. Because what you're doing, you're, you are destroying the very foundation of their life. And the foundation of their life and all of our lives is peace. Faith without peace is dead. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go to John chapter 4 with me. We'll see if the Holy Ghost will, will, will be pleased to go this way. <laughs> you, know, you know where bad tempers come from? They come from a lack of peace. Do you know where bad parenting comes from? It comes from turmoil in someone's heart. See, we need to understand that. Bad parenting isn't just, uh, 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 you know, because they were just raised with a bad example. Bad parenting is a result that there's turmoil in their heart. Amen. So today we're going we're gonna to talk about getting that turmoil out because you have no, I'll tell you what, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no place for turmoil in your heart. That's right. There's no place for trouble. You don't have to live troubled. That's right. You don't have to live depressed. That's right. You know, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Let's go over to John chapter 4. We're going to read about Jesus and the healing of the nobleman's son. We're going to go to John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 46. Now, I'm going to read primarily today out of the Amplified Bible. If you, don't, if you do not have an Amplified Bible with you, we will have it uh, on the screen. Of course, the wording in the Amplified will be a little bit different. How many of you know the Amplified Bible is an original Greek and Hebrew translation? We know that it brings out some of the original meanings of the language. I'll tell you, if you don't have thousands of dollars to spend on study resources and you want to study the Greek and Hebrew, just spend 50 bucks and get yourself an Amplified Bible and it will do most of the work for you. Amen. So let's just uh, read this. We're going to uh, read, oh, about seven or eight verses here. Starting in verse 46. John chapter 4 and verse 46. I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official, or the King James says nobleman, whose son was lying ill in Capernaum. Having heard that Jesus had come back from Judea into Galilee, he went away to meet him and began to beg him. Everyone say beg. beg. you got to remember that. He began to beg him to come down and cure his son, for he was lying, his son was lying at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and miracles happen, you people never will believe, trust, or have faith at all. The king's officer pleaded with him, Sir, do come down at once before my little child is dead. Jesus answered him, he said, Go in peace, your son will live. And the man put his trust in what Jesus said, and he started home. But even as he was on the road going down, his servants met him and reported, saying, Your son lives. So he asked them at what time he had begun to get better. And they said, Yesterday during the seventh hour, about one o'clock in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father knew that it was at the very hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Jesus. Amen. Now let's go back up there and let's start taking a look at this. Let's see what's going on in this situation. Go back up there to verse 47. Notice it says, having heard that Jesus had come back from Judea into Galilee, he went away to meet him and began to beg him 
to come down and cure his son. So he now, obviously, the word beg there, it's also synonymous for desperation. Okay, he's not just asking Jesus to come down and cure his son. He's begging him. Now, when, when someone begs, you know, how, what does begging look like? Oh, please, Jesus, you have to come. Come with me. Come down here. Remember, later on, it says that he pleaded with him, come down and see my son unless he's going to die, right? Meaning, if you don't come, Jesus, my son's not going to make it. So this man was begging. And he was begging out of desperation. Now, why do you think this man was in a place where he was begging? He was begging because he was afraid. He was afraid that his son would die. Now, that might be a natural reaction, right? I mean, that's just natural in your emotions. But how many of you know you don't have to live by your emotions? How many of you know that every trial will draw something out of you? Every trial is going to draw something out of you. It's either going to draw the best out of you or it's going to draw the worst out of you. And whatever that trial draws out of you, that's what you're going to have. You're going to have what that trial brings up out of you. And here this trial was bringing up fear and worry and desperation to this, young, to this uh, uh, government official. And we see, well, that might be natural. How many of you know if you give in to the natural, it can kill you? There's a lot of things in the natural realm that can kill you. You know, that's one of my favorite arguments I hear from people. Well, such and such is natural. It's natural. Oh, yeah, there's a curse on the natural world. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, smoking dope, marijuana is just natural. Well, so is crude oil. Drink crude oil then. No, see, there's a curse on certain plants and things. There's a curse on natural things. And do you know that there's even, I'll tell you what, even natural emotions can bring curse-like living into your life. People say, well, it's just natural. Um, He's a parent. His son's almost dying. It's just natural that he worry for his son. No, you're going to see that if this man would have continued to worry about his son, his son would have died. His son would have been dead. God, I'm going to say something that's going to rock your religious mind. Are you ready? God does not care how desperate you are. God is not moved by your desperation. You need to understand that. God never said that desperation ever pleased him. God never said that desperation ever moved his hand. God never said that desperation would get God off the throne and pace the floor on your behalf. God does not care how desperate you are. Pastor Tim, oh my goodness, that rocks my Hallmark theology. Good, it better rock your Hallmark theology. Well, if I stress enough, if I beg him enough, notice we read the whole account here. Jesus never went down to see his son because Jesus was invited through fear. Jesus doesn't go anywhere he's invited through fear. He will only go where he's invited through faith. Amen. Some of you are trying to move Jesus, trying to move the hand of God by getting worried, by getting desperate, by begging and pleading. God is not, um, he's not moved by begging and pleading. Jesus goes where he's invited by faith, not where he's invited by fear. This man is clearly begging, he's pleading, he's afraid, 
He's scared for his son. His son was at the point of death. And you say, well, that's a natural reaction. Yeah, it was natural. And if he would continue in that natural reaction, it, it would kill his son. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to, to, to verse 48 here. Look what Jesus said to him. Here this man's begging and pleading. Look what Jesus says. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, not to them, not to anybody else around, he speaks right at the man who is in the moment of his greatest desperation, who's begging and pleading. He says in verse 48, Jesus said to him, unless you see signs, miracles happen, you people will never believe, trust, or have faith at all. That insensitive preacher Jesus, he did not get off what he was doing and rush right down there to see that child. Jesus will never, never be privy to fear and panic. And I'll tell you what, as a pastor of this church, neither will I. I will not rush to your bedside out of fear and panic. I will not rush to the hospital. I go and visit people in the hospital, but I do so out of love and faith not out of fear and panic. Right, right. I will not break the speed limit to get to your hospital bed. That's right. no, 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 no. And I'll be doing you the biggest favor by not doing that. Hallelujah. Oh, I know, people get upset. They think it's insensitive. Look what Jesus told. He turned to this man. He said, unless you see signs, miracles, and wonders, you have no faith at all. Jesus just told the man, you have no faith. Why? Because this was the man, remember that this was where Jesus performed the miracle of turning the water into wine. This man only came to Jesus because he saw the water turn into wine. He was not there because he trusted Jesus' word. He was there because he wanted the miracle man to do something for him. Meaning, let me find somebody else to dump this fear and this worry on. Let me find someone else who will panic with me. Let me find someone who will just turn the key and make it all better without me having to have any responsibility at all. That's what people do. That's what people do. Oh, go find sister prayer warrior. Go get the pastor's wife. Go get the youth leader. Go get the pastor himself. Go get these people. Go get the associate pastor. Get our office manager. Get our worship leader. Get one of those Holy Ghost saints to panic with me and hopefully they'll turn some magic key and make it all right for me. No, there is no magic key. <laughs> I can't be invited. You will never receive from the grace that's on, some peop- on, on a person's life, whether it's a pastor or an anointed minister, you will never receive from that person's anointing or the grace that God has put on their life if you come to them in panic and fear. Jesus was wise by not going with that man because if he would have gone with that man, he could have not done a blessed thing. Jesus did the only thing you can do when someone is overwhelmed with desperation. Give them the word. The only thing Jesus could do, the only thing he could do for this desperate desperate man is give him the word. Give him the word. Go away. That's what he said. The King James Bibles, we're going to see this here in, in verse 50. Jesus said, go thy way. Let's look at this. Verse 48, then Jesus said to him, unless you see signs, miracles, and wonders, you'll never have faith. You'll never trust at all. Yeah, that's right. he, was telling the, he, he was telling this person, because you keep begging and pleading, you're out of faith. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
He said, you're, you're, you, you have no faith at all. Isn't that what he said to him? So you can say this, begging and pleading is the antithesis of faith. And for all you that aren't educated, right? The opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, praise the Lord. I said that jokingly. In verse 49, the king's officer pleaded with him, Sir, do come down at once unless my, my, uh, before my little child is dead. Well, that now the pressure's on. If you don't come with me, my child's going to die, and Jesus, it's going to be your fault. God will never be blamed. If you worried over an individual in your family and that individual ended up dying before their time, God's not to be blamed. God didn't take them home. God didn't take them away. God doesn't kill anybody. Do you know that? The Bible says death is the final enemy that'll be conquered. Do you know that when a person dies, it isn't God. You know, people say God took them. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. The last enemy took him. And so many times, oh my goodness. They should write on people's tombstone, killed by the worry of their family. Because you don't realize the the detriment. When somebody that you love and you care about is going through something and you want to release your faith and you're going to help them, I tell you what, sympathy is never the answer. Sympathy with worry and fear and oh my goodness, oh why did this happen to you? Oh I'm so sorry, oh cry, cry, cry. And people say, oh that sounds insensitive. No, I'm a sensitive guy, you've seen me cry lots of times. I don't know if I'm as sensitive as our our associate pastor. (laughs) All right, a few years back my kitty cat died, I cried, okay, I'm a sensitive guy. <laughs> but I tell you what, I'm talking about when you're in the trenches oh, yeah. and someone that's around you is facing an imminent danger like that, your worry is not going to help them. Right. It's going to bury them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Come on now. That's right. That's right. Look what Jesus said. Verse 48 said, You have no faith at all. 49, he keeps pleading and begging. He said, Now, do you think that Jesus' heartstrings are being pulled on? I mean, think about it. He's saying, if you don't come down, my child is going to die. Look what Jesus says in verse 50. Jesus answered him and said, go in peace. Here's the instruction. Jesus is saying, no, 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 if I don't come, that's not going to make the difference whether your child lives or dies. It's a matter of, will you go in peace? That's going to determine whether your child lives or dies. Whether you go in peace, whether you stay in peace, that's going to determine whether you prosper or not. That's going to determine the outcome of your child's life. That's going to determine the outcome of your marriage. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's the instruction. Go in peace. Go in peace. Literally, the King James, how many of you have a King James Bible? It says, Jesus said, go thy way. How many of you have that? Literally translated, if you want to look it up in the same books I did, literally translated, Jesus said, go back to the life that you had before this happened. Go back to how you were acting and living before the crisis arrived. He said, go back to your life. 
Go back to your life. Go back to the peace you had as if this wasn't happening. Now, we don't deny that circumstances come up, right? Jesus, you know, this isn't Christian science that says, oh, just deny that it's happening. No, we know that there's circumstances. This was really happening in that man's life. His son was really sick. He had a fever, right? Praise the Lord. We know that it was real. It wasn't just a denial, but Jesus said, go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. Hallelujah. Go in peace. Now look at this. Jesus answered, go in peace. Your son will live. Go back to the way life was before this happened. How were you living? What were you doing before this showed up? That's what peace is. That's what peace is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We need to understand this, folks. We need to get a hold of this. See, now let's get into this. This is what you need to do. On the onset of trouble like this, you need to make sure that the emergency spirit, you know what I mean? That emergency way about you isn't turned on. Jesus is basically telling this guy, get away from this emergency mentality. He's like, you're acting more like a fire truck. He says, I lead you besides still waters and green pastures. You're acting more like an emergency vehicle trying to get to a crash scene. I tell you what, you better get that out of you. You better get that out of you. So many people, immediately when they hear, right at that moment, when they hear of trouble, you're either going to put on, you're either going to put on peace or you're going to put on panic. And you need to decide right then and there, no, 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 no. Peace is going to reign in me. I am not going to be troubled. I am not going to be disturbed. I'm not going to be troubled into panic. I'm not going to give the devil entrance into this situation by me panicking. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, if the first thing you will do when you have a need or whether, you know, uh, a situation arises or you're just facing needs or whatever, get in peace about it first. So many people, they instantly, they start, they start toiling over the scriptures. Oh, by his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. Listen, the word plus panic equals panic. The word plus praise and worship plus praying in tongues plus panic equals panic. If there's panic anywhere in the equation, it's still panic. Just because you're panicking over scriptures doesn't justify your panic. Do you know how people do that? Oh, it came up. Oh, the doctor said this. I know what to do. Oh, by his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. No, you can't panic with the scriptures. That's right. That's right. No, it's the word minus panic equals the word. Right? You got to get in peace. So many times, you know, people start meditating on healing. Uh, how many of you know healing does not operate until there's peace in the heart first? Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30, it says, The sound heart is the strength of the flesh. A peaceful, sound heart is the strength of the flesh. So many times there's people out there, they think they need healing. No, what they really need is peace. What they really need is to expel the panic and worry out of their life. Right? Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. (laughs) 
Look at verse 50. Jesus answered him and said, go in peace. There's the instruction. Your son will live. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to come down with you. I'm going to make it all better. I'll come down with you. Think about the moment that this man is, is put in now. He's either going to believe what Jesus said, or he's going to go away in panic, and if he goes away in panic, his son's going to die. But the man put his trust in what Jesus said, and he started home. Hallelujah. He gave up the begging. He gave up the pleading. He gave up the whining. He gave up his proximity faith. You know what I mean by that? He believed that the only way it would work is that if Jesus was in the same room with his child. How many of you know faith isn't based on proximity? Faith doesn't work because the pastor is in the hospital room. Faith doesn't work because a, 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 a person of, not you know, of notable spirituality is in the room. Faith doesn't increase because someone with a title of reverend walks in the place. That man had to use the same faith that you and I have. Oh, yeah, because Jesus is not tangibly, you know, physically walking into the sick room or whatever crisis we're facing. That's right. We have to do the same exact thing this man did and just trust his word and, and give up the begging, give up the pleading, give up the panic, give up the desperation. We're going to have to give it up. That's right. You're going to have to choose not to panic. You're going to have to choose not to worry. That's right. People say, but it's just natural to worry. Yeah, but natural things kill you. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things that are natural. Lions are natural. But you don't jump in the cage with a hungry one. Right? Come on. Polar bears are natural. Come on now. I know. Are you ready for the deep yay, the deep things of God? You don't jump in the, you don't go to the zoo and hop in that little chili pond they got there for the polar bear. You ever seen they got the little chili pond? Oh, yeah. And it looks pretty nasty and gross, right? But there's a lot of things that are natural that'll kill you. Emotions are the same way. A lot of emotions are natural, but emotions are the result of the fallen man. Fear was never designed for mankind. That's right. Fear only came upon mankind when they disobeyed God. Fear is a result of the fall. It's part of the curse. But how many of you know we've been redeemed from the curse? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If you are sitting there convinced that you have to be afraid, you're already beaten. The devil can have his way in your life if you believe you just have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. No, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You're getting some help out of this. Amen. Well, let's go to verse 51. Notice it says in verse 50, the man put his trust in what Jesus said and started home. He started home. He didn't, he didn't continue the begging, the pleading, the panic. He didn't continue the desperation. He said, oh, all right that I'm just going to go home and go about my business. Yeah, Amen. Because w by what man can add one foot to his stature by worrying? Yeah, that's right, that's right. Glory to God. Aren't you glad for this man? How refreshing. This man said, you know what, Jesus? I don't need to have you there. I just believe that your word is already there. That's it, that's it, that's it. 
How many of you know the Word is already there? The Word of God is already in every hospital room. Why? Because it says the Word of God is nigh thee. Where? In your heart and in your mouth, even the Word of faith by which we speak. Romans 10.8. The Word of faith in your heart, out your mouth. Hallelujah. That's right. Glory to God. How refreshing. Say, you know what, Jesus? You don't need to come down. I believe your word. You might not be there, but your word is as good as if you were there. I'll give up, I'll give up this desperation, and I'll go about my way as if this hasn't even happening. I'll tell you what. Here's the beginning of every healing. Peace. Here's the beginning of people who prosper. Peace. Peace. What is peace? The refusal to worry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not say, well, I just don't feel that peace. No, 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 stop thinking that peace is a feeling. Uh, peace is a choice. Peace is a choice. No, I believe I'm in peace. Yeah. I'm in peace right now. I declare the peace of God is on me, in me, within me. I walk in peace. Peace is mine. Jesus said he left me his peace, therefore I walk in it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now look at down here, verse 51. But even as he was on the, the, the road going down, his servants met him and, and reported, saying, Your son lives. And so he asked them at what time his son had started to get better. And they said, Yesterday, during the seventh hour, or one o'clock in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father knew that it was at the very hour when Jesus had said to him, Go in peace. As soon as Jesus said, go in peace, as soon as the man made a step towards peace, healing came. Didn't need the laying out of hands, did it? Didn't need the prayer of faith, did it? The man simply got in peace and his son got healed. He got in peace. That's why. Now, you can't prove this with the word, but you can't disprove it with the word either. Kind of starts to give us... So if peace was enough to heal this man's son, kind of gives us an idea of why he was sick in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Clearly, I mean, just naturally speaking, this man didn't know the word. He was a government official. He didn't know the peace of God. He didn't, you know, as far as we know, he didn't serve God, know God, didn't know the word or whatever. He clearly was a man of panic, a man of desperation. He lost his cool, right? Sure. I'll tell you what. Some of you think you're doing your, your, your family a favor by panicking. You're not. You're not. Emergency-minded people will never live by faith. Emergency-minded people. What is it with people out there that they almost thrive on the crisis? I mean, it is like it takes a crisis to get them going. It takes a crisis to use their faith. Is that what you're doing? Are you just skating through life, waiting for the hard times, and then that's what's going to get you serious about God? Is it going to take a crisis for you to start believing and trusting God's word? God forbid it would take a crisis to get me moving for God. His love should have been enough. His love and his gift should have gotten us moving. His love for us, the gift of his son, should move and motivate our faith. It shouldn't take a crisis. It shouldn't take a bad economy. No, it shouldn't on. take a sickness That's right. before we decide to use our faith. You're right. Glory to God. The moment, the very moment that that man got in, in, in peace, he believed and trusted the word of Jesus. As soon as he said, you know what, I'll go my way. 
I'll just, I'll just go back to the way it was as if this wasn't happening. That's when his son got healed. Some of you, I'll tell you what, do you know the moment that big bill, that big financial need that came into your life, do you know the moment that's going to get paid off when you stop thinking about it? Do you know the moment when that pain's going to finally leave your body when you stop thinking about it? Some of you are working and, and, and you're just toiling over these things in life. You better stop toiling. I want to show you a scripture. You're in John 4. Go over to John 6. And we'll end here. John 6. And let's start in verse 22. How many of you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? Remember? There was 5,000 men. And there was also women and children there. There was probably eight to 10,000 people there all together. Remember Jesus had the five loaves and the two fish. Remember, and, he, and they all were filled and so on. Well, we come to this account now, and this is the tail end of that account. And after Jesus fed the 5,000, he got into a boat and he went across the lake, okay? And the people that had, had eaten the, the bread and the fish who were fed, they went around the lake to, to hunt him down again. Remember that? They went, you know, they, they, they ate, Jesus left, and they started getting hungry again. They said, hey, let's go find that guy that fed us at dinner, right? And so they go around the lake, and they find Jesus. And we're going to pick it up in uh, verse 22. It says this in the Amplified. The next day, the crowd that still remained, standing on the other side of the sea, realized that there had been only one small boat there, and that Jesus had not gone into it with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away by themselves. But now some other boats from Tiberias had come in near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So the people, finding that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, themselves they got into small boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they said unto him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, look what he says, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, you have been searching for me not because you saw the miracles and signs, but because you were fed with the loaves and were filled and satisfied. Wow, Jesus knew their motives. He said, you're not here for me. You're here for food. People come to church like that all the time. You know, they're not here for God. They're here for something else. There'll be people, they'll, they'll chase a boyfriend, they'll chase a girlfriend or something into a church. And they'll sit there with the wrong motives. There'll be people that will come to church because they, they want to try to get on the worship platform and be a music star or something like that. There'll be people that, you know, will, will pursue wrong motives in churches all the time. It happens all the time. So Jesus is just reading, reading uh, their mail, right? Jesus answered him and said, I tell you that you're not here because of the miracles and signs, but because you were fed with the loaves and you were filled and satisfied. Now look what Jesus says to them in verse 27. Listen to the Amplified. Stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using. I love that. Stop toiling, stop doing, and stop producing over a matter of your needs. Some of you are living life, life chasing down solutions to your needs. They're always chasing a solution. Oh, oh, okay, well, uh, 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 hours at work 
got, got cut down, so I need to go over here and add this job, even though it takes me away from my family, even though it takes me away from church. Uh, oh, I got to go over here. Uh, uh, I, I have to keep so-and-so happy. I had someone in my family that they, they, they're not happy because I'm in church all the time. They're, they're not happy, so I got to try to keep them happy. There's people that are toiling over stuff. I'll tell you what, if you're somebody that I have to sweet talk in order to keep a friendship with you, I mean, do you have people in your life that you're constantly trying to keep them happy? Trying to keep some balance with your family because they're always so touchy and the moment you talk about God or you talk about whatever, they just get all upset. I tell you what, that's toil. And toil is the opposite of peace. And I tell you what, I will not toil to keep a relationship happy. I won't. I'm not going to ruin the peace of God on the inside of my heart to try to keep someone happy. I bump into people all the time that used to go to this church. And you can tell how uncomfortable they get. You know, and when I say used to, I mean that they're still here in town and so on. And, and they just got lazy and stopped coming to church. And, and I'll bump into them. And you can see the look on their face. Oh, hi, Pastor Tim. Uh, uh, you, can just, and I, you know, I just say, oh, it's good to see you. Come back to church. But I'm not going to sit there and sweet talk them back. Because if I start to sweet, you know, there's pastors out there, they're burning themselves out trying to sweet talk their congregation into staying. Why would you want to have a church filled with people that had to be sweet talked into being in your church? All you'll get is you'll get, you know, there's, there's pastors, they're running. Oh, oh, got to keep sister so-and-so happy. Got to keep brother so-and-so happy. Got to keep them happy. Oh, they might leave. They might leave if I don't do this. No, 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 no. I'll tell you what, we are not supposed to toil and lose our peace trying to keep other people happy. Some of you are trying to do that. Oh, oh, my sister, well, she gets mad if I, if, I, if I go to church instead of going to that family function or we have special meetings and if I don't go to the, the, the baby shower or the birthday party, if I don't go to my niece or my nephew's this or the kindergarten graduation and then someone's going to get upset. I don't live like that. Because that's toil. It's the opposite of faith or peace, which is required for faith. There's some of you that are trying to toil, to do, and to produce for your own needs. Some of you are working 70 hours plus. You know, well, I got a job. It makes me skip church. I'll tell you what, there's not a job on this green earth that could take me away from one church service. Pastor Tim... That is so, so just unreasonable. Listen, listen, I've been there. I've quit jobs for churches before. You know, I've walked away. I have no sympathy. <laughs> I don't. People say, Pastor Tim, but I, I got I to gotta, I gotta keep this job in order to, to go. No, 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 you're doing what Jesus said you're doing. You're toiling, you're doing, and producing for your own needs. Peace is more important than the job. Peace is more important than someone's kindergarten graduation. People tell me, I've had people tell me, well, I'm going to be upset if you don't do this or do that. Go ahead. <laughs> Listen, if you're mad at me, you're not the first and you will not be the last. That's right. 
and I'm not going to jeopardize the faith that it takes for my marriage, for my family, for my church, for the church people. I'm not going to get out of peace because you might be unhappy with me. That's right. That's right. That's right. Not going to do it. I called pastor and, 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 and we, we, you know, he, he, he didn't come to the, the, the hospital. He came the, the next day later. Listen, I, I will do my best to be there for you. I love you. If you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, you know the love that I have for you. But because I don't jump off and, and, and throw on the sirens, I'm not going to throw on the sirens for you. If you say, well, pastor wasn't there for me, let me tell you what, pastor is there for you every Sunday morning, yeah, Wednesday night. This is the best time I have to be there for you. Yeah, pastor wouldn't counsel me personally. Yes, pastor is counseling you personally right here, right now. <laughs> pastor Tim, if you keep preaching like this, you're going to run people out of your church. Folks, we just, we, you know, we have to make sure that we don't give in to child, childishness, you know? Right, right. And when, when there's people, if, and I'm talking about in your own personal life, if you have to sweet talk someone to be your friend, you don't, they, you don't need them. You know what I mean? They're not your friend. You know, if, if you have to... Now, sometimes you might have to sweet-talk your wife to be your friend. <laughs> you know, that's different. <laughs> you know, sometimes you might, you know, want to get a card with a, with a $100 bill in it for her or something like that. He, he, yeah. Come on, ladies, you left me way too quiet on that. You know, that's different. You, you need to know how to, how, how to work that a little bit, you know. I tell you what, you know, <laughs> if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> and I know a lot of women, they can be bought off, right? You know? How many ladies can be bought off here? Oh, yeah, all right. All you men, there you go. You're only a $100 bill away from having a great week. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But seriously, why are you toiling? Why are you toiling? There's people, they're toiling about their word and prayer. They're toiling. They're toiling. Okay, well, I got this much time in today, I got this much time, and I'm going to count it all up, and because I meditated for this long, before, because I prayed in tongues for this long, because I, I, I did this and did that, now surely God is going to bless me. No, you turned your word and prayer time into toil. Whatever you turn into toil won't work. It won't work. Because you're there with the wrong motives. Come on now. Drop down to verse 29, and, and, and we'll just end right here with this verse. And Jesus replied, because they asked him in verse 28, they said, okay, what must we do? What works do we do for God? Because Jesus said, stop working to try to get God to do something for you. Stop trying to just chase needs from one place to another. Stop trying to toil and produce and to keep everybody happy, right? And they said, okay, well, then what do we do? And Jesus said in verse 29, he said, this is the work. 
that God asks for you. This is the work that you believe. That you believe. That you believe. Wow. Look what he says. This is the work that God asks of you. That you believe in the one whom he has sent. That you cleave to, trust, rely on, and have faith in his messenger and his message. Isn't that refreshing? God, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? I've got to work and I've got to toil and I've got to produce and I've got to keep so-and-so happy and I've got to pray this much to keep God happy and I've got to read my Bible this much to keep the happy and I've got to toil and toil and toil. God, what do I do to work to make you happy? Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. See, that produces peace. All you have to say, all that man had to do with his son, I believe my son will live. And now I'm going to act in peace. I believe the bills will be paid. Because he said, the blessing of the Lord makes me rich and adds no sorrow with it. He said that my God shall supply every need that I have according to his riches and glory. I believe I'm healed. That's all, that's all your work is for God. I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe Jesus is my healer. I believe Jesus is my provider. I believe that he is my peace. I believe he is my joy. I believe he is my strength. I believe it will all work out. I believe the debt is paid. I believe the sickness is gone. I believe the peace of God transcends my heart and my mind. I believe. How simple is that? I believe. That's what God wants to hear coming out of your mouth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Did you get something out of this today? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you today. We praise you and we glorify you, Lord. You are so good. You are so good. Father, we know that faith without peace is dead. Father, we see that that man's boy could never be healed until his father first got into peace. Lord, we thank you so much. We could just make a decision. Instead of getting panicked and worried, the work that we do is so simple. We say, I believe the one who brought the message. I believe the Savior. I believe the healer. I believe the provider. I believe. Father, it's so simple. Our part is so simple. Instead of worrying about keeping somebody happy, Father, we just believe. We just believe. We believe we're in the peace of God. Father, instead of trying to work our way by adding more hours to our job and therefore missing church and missing time with our family, instead of toiling to try to meet a need, we'll believe for the need. We'll keep our responsibilities. But Father, we're not going to put work over church, over family. We'll just say, I believe. I believe the needs are met. I believe the bills are paid. I believe my body's healed. I believe my mind is filled with peace and joy. I believe I'm filled with strength. I believe my marriage is heaven on earth. I believe my children are mighty seed upon the earth. 
I believe that a just man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. I believe that in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. I believe the blessing of the Lord makes us rich and adds no sorrow with it. I believe the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that he was so very rich yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty would be made rich. We believe, Lord God. We believe. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. We believe that he is on the throne. We believe we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We believe. Father, we thank you. Our part is so simple. So, Lord God, we thank you that peace must be in place. We must decide to say, I believe, over getting into panic and worry. It's just that simple. Father, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name. With all eyes closed, with all heads bowed, if you're here today, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I don't mean, I'm not talking about whether or not you've been a good person, whether or not you've been fair or you're kind. There's some people that they think they'll get into heaven because they've been to church a lot. That's not what makes you a Christian. Some people will think, well, I've been good and I've been a moral person. No, no, morality is not equivalent to salvation. On the other side, there's people that say, well, I've been so terrible, I've made so many mistakes in my life, there's no way that God will save me. Yes, God will save you. He will forgive you. I want to tell you this. There's not enough good works you could do to get yourself into heaven. But I tell you what, there's not enough bad works to keep you out. You haven't gone too far that you can't be saved. Regardless of which side you're on, I want to ask you, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? The Bible says in Romans 10:9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's a decision with your heart. There's not enough candles you can light to get into heaven. There's not enough incense you can burn. There's not enough water baptisms. There's not enough communion wafers to eat to get you in. What makes you a Christian is that in your heart you've said, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior. I'll live for you. I want to please you. If that's your, you here today and you've never made that decision, we're not going to embarrass you, meaning we're not going to make you stand up and come down and take a microphone or anything like that. But if you're here today and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to simply ask you to lift your hand. As soon as I see your hand, I'll have you put it right back down. I will lead this congregation in a prayer. You can pray right there in your seat and make Jesus the Lord of your life. If that's you, could you lift your hand now, please? If you know you need Jesus in your life, I see that hand, thank you, you can put it down. Is there anyone else that you just know that in your heart, there's some people they will say, well, I have religion. Well, no, 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 you don't want religion. You want relationship. Say, well, I was born and raised in this church or that church. It's not a family church thing. It's not a Baptist church thing. It's not a Catholic church thing. It's a God thing. You need to have Jesus in your heart. You need to personally ask him. If you've never done that, you need to do that. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Praise the Lord. Let's all just go ahead and pray this prayer. If you lifted your hand, 
pray these words out of your mouth. Don't just think of them. Pray these words. Talk to the Lord. Don't talk to me. This is not a ritual. Everyone pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, wash me, cleanse me, forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior all the days of my life. I will live for you to please you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You glad you came to church here today? Did you get some help here today? Folks, make sure to cut that panic off at the pass. Don't even let it in. Don't even go there. Don't even let it come in and try to ruin and spoil the situation, right? If you're here today and you just made Jesus the Lord of your life, go ahead and find one of these cards. Fill it out before you leave. And before you leave, go ahead and hand it to an usher. Hand it to Pastor Brad or myself. Hand it to somebody that you know. It just says, today I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Don't be ashamed of the Jesus you're asking to save you, right? If you mean business with God, he'll mean business with you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Will you join me by standing to your feet? Let's go ahead and bring up our confession. Our mind's been renewed. Amen. So let's go ahead and say it. One, two, ready, go. My mind is renewed. I will live for Christ. In the face of trial, I will say, greater is God that's in me. In the face of financial hardship, I will declare, I have a supply. Every trial only serves to make me stronger. I have victory in Christ. I am a champion through God, and nothing shall make me afraid. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. We thank you, and we praise you, and we bless you. Father, we thank you for what we've heard today. We'll be doers of the word, and we give you the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone shouted. Folks, before you're dismissed, just a reminder, if you are participating in the water baptism, that is immediately following the service up in the youth center. So if you need to get changed, please do so quickly, and uh, we'll get started. Everyone else, you are dismissed.